Welcome to Centering Centers, a pod network podcast that explores the work of centers of teaching and learning and the vision and insights of educational developers in higher education. The pod network is North America's largest educational development community, supporting members' professional learning through meaningful and sustained interaction. This podcast is an initiative led by the Digital Resources and Innovation Committee of POD. To get more involved in the DRI committee or this podcast, just send us an email at dri at podnetwork.org. Welcome. I'm so happy to meet Mark Hofer. Um, He's the professor and director of the William and Mary Studio for Teaching and Learning Innovation in Virginia, USA. And we are really excited to be able to speak with you today, Mark. I'm really happy to be here, Laura. I'm so glad you're doing this podcast. Uh, There's so much interesting stuff that happens at different centers that we never hear about that maybe, you know, so I I, I love this. It's a great way to kind of live vicariously through you and your conversations with others. So thank you for doing this. Oh, well, thanks. It's been such a great learning experience for me. And it's sort of continuing the, the pod network conference experience, you know, on demand all year. Uh, And there's something about the podcast as a medium. I was never really into podcasts, but during the pandemic, maybe like a lot of others, I started listening more. And I realized there's so many podcasts about higher ed, you know, a lot of teaching tips for faculty, but nothing really for education developers. So for for us to talk to each other. So I'm excited. And today, what we're going to focus on um, is a wonderful and interesting initiative called the Student Partner Program at William & Mary. Um, But before we get into hearing more about that, if you could tell everyone a little bit about your center, kind of where it's situated, the size of your center, um, kind of the the groups that you mostly interface with so people at other centers can kind of identify um, what sort of are the features of your center. Yeah, happy to do that, Laura. So we launched uh, our studio in 2019. So we're, we're pretty new. And, you know, especially when the pandemic hit, it was, uh, <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, fortunately, our, our core staff of our initial launch was primarily from our e-learning initiatives group on campus. So that was actually came in really handy, uh, as you can imagine, when we moved into remote and blended teaching mode. But we are situated, so I report uh, through the provost's office. And we are designed, um, prior to the launch of the studio, there were there was definitely lots of support for teaching and learning at William & Mary. It's a place that really values close connection with students and undergraduate research and mentoring. So there were lots of disparate initiatives uh, happening in different schools and departments, but nothing really university-wide. So that was President Rowe's vision to launch the studio to be a university-wide place that folks could come to learn about innovative teaching practices, get assistance on challenges they're encountering, uh, new faculty development, and, and you know, basically the whole gamut. So that's exciting. So yeah. it's, it's only 2019. Yeah, it's, wow. it feels longer than that. As you can, it does. Sure you can you got trial by fire, like immediately. But you know, it was, it was great, though, because we were, it, it put us on the radar of a lot of people that it would have taken a long time, I think, otherwise. <laughs> yes. So, we, uh, so yes, yeah, so it's been great. And I'll just say one last thing by way of uh, sort of context. We were very deliberate about choosing the word studio as opposed to center because we it, everything we do here at William & Mary tends to be very collaborative, community-driven. 
So we really wanted to communicate that this is a place and a space, like a physical space, but also sort of a, a, a team and a program that people can come to. We don't have all the answers. You know, we've got expertise, we have a lot to offer, but we don't have all the answers because every teaching context is different. Every, you know, program, a department has a different emphasis and focus. So we, we really build everything we do around this idea of bringing people together to share ideas, but also have space to discuss and to work through things together, provide feedback and so forth. So that's really what we try to do is sort of the ethos of, of our studio. So for those of us who are um, maybe newer um, at, at this world of centers, explain a little more the, the, that intentional selection of the word studio, maybe for people who are not in the arts or wouldn't understand sure. what you were getting at. Tell us that's a little more. Great idea. Yeah. So the idea of how we landed on the idea of a studio is we started, we had an artist, a studio artist on our team that sort of explored um, the, the need for, you know, this kind of unit on campus and what it might look like. And, uh, and she kept talking about, you know, the energy in a studio where students and faculty are partnering together, you know, in the learning process, providing feedback, learning from each other. Everybody has different expertise that they bring to the table. And then we started realizing, wow, it's the same way like in a recording studio with musicians. And it's the same way with a movie studio that you have all these people with different kinds of expertise, but it's like the, the sum is much greater the whole is greater than the sum of the parts um, <laughs> and, you know, the experiences you have. So that was kind of how we landed on it. So, so rather than a, you know, very formalized programming that is, you know, there are certain things obviously we do every year and so forth, but most everything we do is more emergent um, based on people's interests and needs at the time, opportunities that come up. So it's a very fluid kind of um, emergent space, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's a great, I love that, um, that choice. Uh, you know, there is that aspect of putting your work out to be critiqued in the mm -hmm. studio. <laughs> I think of in like a painting studio. Right. Um, but then when you think about a music studio and people jamming and creating, yes. it's great. Um, yeah. And maybe that relates to your project um, because it sounds like, you know, it's very much of a, a fluid kind of energizing, interactive project. So first off, tell us a little about um, what you saw as perhaps a gap, a need, a problem, an issue, you know, that you were trying and hoping to address in this um, student partner program. Yeah, great question. Um, so I'm going to work backwards and then um, offer one other idea. So yeah. we realized that if we're going to be a studio and we really do value all these different perspectives around different issues and topics, it would be kind of silly to leave out the student voice in those conversations because of course, everything we do, we do to serve students and to connect with and engage students. So we realized pretty quickly that, wow, we had to figure out some way to, um, to bring that student voice. And our, our studio is like many probably centers for teaching and learning is really focused more on faculty and instructors. And of course, you know, so that's our core audience, I guess, for programming and, and support and so forth. So that includes, of course, graduate students that have a teaching role and so forth, but it really doesn't include like sort of the, the typical student, you know, so we, we knew yeah. we had to have some way to bring their voice. And we started with, um, we had a great visit from Allison Cook-Sather from Bryn Mawr, who is really an international leader in pedagogical partnerships. So it's grounded on this idea that a faculty member might want student perspective related to their course. So they they have this partnership that develops, and sometimes it's over an entire semester. Sometimes it's just a few weeks, 
But if the faculty member has something in particular that they would like feedback on from the student perspective, then they uh, the student comes and it sits in the class sessions, observes, take notes, then they meet up afterwards to discuss, and then they develop a focus for the next session and so on. And so it really is a partnership where faculty can, can hear directly from a student that isn't enrolled in the course. So they have that sort of objectivity. There isn't a grade involved right. or anything like that. Coercion. So it's, yeah, exactly. Right. I wasn't going to say that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like, so that was really inspiring. And we thought, gosh, how can we do that? We wanted to um, think about how we can take that uh, classroom observation model and expand it a bit. So that's what we, that's what we frame it as a student partnership program. So we have student partners, we have this semester, we have 14 undergraduate students from all different disciplines from freshman to senior. And they work with us really in four kind of key areas. One is on uh, technology and media development. That was certainly born out of the pandemic, the need you know, for that creation. We yeah. have students that do those classroom observations like I just described. Um, just general feedback. So faculty have a syllabus that they would like student feedback on, or maybe a new idea for a project in a course, or even a rubric for an assignment that they've established that they want feedback. Like, is this clear? Is it, can you see how the, the different um, dimensions are differentiated from one another, so forth. And then the last uh, area is in the newest one. We're just launching with, a, uh, with the help of a private uh, gift to uh, partner with student accessibility services. So some of those assistive technology tools and some of those combinations that are tricky to figure out in specific kinds of courses, we have our student partners cross-trained with accessibility services to work directly with student and or faculty member to figure out how they can make that accommodation work in a robust but practical way in the classroom. So we have students that they're here every day. They're invited to come sit in our meetings. We often, there's one at the front desk all the time. We often pull them over for you know, a conversation. So we try to involve them. Those are the formal ways, but we really try to involve them in basically everything we do. Wow, that is um, so exciting. Uh, tell us a little bit, um, let's just go into each of those four categories a little more, give us like sure. a snapshot. Uh, of what, I mean, I think we can kind of get an idea of what the students would be doing from what you just said, but in terms of from an education developer point of view, mm -hmm. what is important about it and how do you get faculty to agree to it? <laughs> yeah. no, that's great. Well, I mean, that's one thing that's sort of a, a core value is basically everything we do in the studio is opt-in. You know, now it could be that a chair would encourage a faculty member to come to our course design institute or to take advantage of some online materials that we have with a specific focus, you know, area in their teaching. But everything is opt in. And we some of the, the bigger commitments for faculty, we do incentivize. So if it's like a semester long um, uh, study group or something like that, we'll you know provide some sort of incentive for that or developing an online course or something that is really a, kind of way above and beyond sort of typical duties. We try to incentivize that. But most everything, it's interesting. We, we have a really, we have a group of a faculty that we call our frequent flyers that they basically <laughs> come to anything we do. Right. And then, uh, but they also tend to be good word of mouth advocates. Mm -hmm. And so people here, or, you know, especially with the students, when one faculty member has a really generative, positive experience with one of our students, they will tell their colleagues. 
And then that, so we've seen lots of repeat customers, but also folks that have said, oh, you know, Professor Jones suggested I, you know, stop over yeah. and see what this is about. So we're hoping to do that a little more strategically going forward, but that really is, is how we, and everything is, um, all of those, all of the student partnership programs are all framed around what the faculty wants. So it's like, we have these structures in place, but really feedback is, could be on anything that's of interest to the faculty member. Same with classroom observations, uh, same with media. So it really is based on what they have a need for or see an opportunity for. So with, when I, when I look at these, um, I think to myself, okay, as a faculty member, gee, someone to help me with accessibility, someone to help me with technology media, that's no brainer, give it to me, because it's going to relieve my, you know, workload a bit, and uh, probably bring me, you know, really up to date ideas and tools that I wouldn't know. Um, And feedback on an assignment, maybe. Mm -hmm. But classroom observation, that seems to be like the, from, I would imagine, less popular but is that wrong are they equally um desired uh no i think you're probably right there definitely fewer of those requests definitely um and i think typically when we get those is if a faculty member say they haven't taught a large lecture for several years okay they're like thinking oh my gosh i've got to kind of get back in that groove and how do i engage you know 100 students as opposed to the 30 that i typically teach yeah. so they might request somebody with a like uh, you know with a sort of a mode change or a context change to get that feedback or if they are uh, you know several faculty members you know we were very happy to come back in person uh you know to teaching but you know many said that gosh you know students responded really well to me posting recorded lectures so they could rewatch segments and so forth yeah. so, but I, I i feel like i need to up my game a little in that regard or how do I facilitate discussions if they've already watched the, the lecture in class so so sometimes you know that it's it's really driven by sort of the need that they have which you know I think we'd all agree at, at centers is with adults if they have that need that right. personal need that just-in-time need that's really when the transformational learning can happen so so we you know it's it's one of those things and it's it's also a super time intensive service to deliver because, you know, it's, it's one student, you know, maybe is five hours a week, you know, in a class with a faculty member that that's hard to scale. So it's kind of okay in my mind that that's, that's a lesser use, but I see that more as like a more of a strategic kind of um, choice that a faculty member might make. One of the earlier podcasts I did in the series was with Tracy Addy, who's at Lafayette and does uh, really interesting work with students as partners in um, the area of inclusive pedagogy so mm-hmm. they're like highly trained to look for inclusive practices then they're sort of deployed to the classrooms and are trained to give feedback on what they see and it's quite um, a vulnerable space you know to receive observation feedback in general but then from a student uh, and around issues that might involve, you know, race, you know, linguist, language issues. I mean, that is challenging, I think, for um, faculty members to opt into. Yeah. I'm just wondering um, for for your, just in that strand, the classroom observation strand, what kind of training do you provide um, to the students what are the expectations for something like having a student partner assist you in coming to observe? 
Yeah, well, it makes me realize, Laura, that I need to reach out to Addy because yeah. that's one of the things that we we do want to lean into because for the typical classroom observation um, experiences, actually, Allison Cooksather has put together like lots of great resources. She shares everything that she does. And there's there's sort of an orientation that kind of helps students to develop some empathy for faculty members and sort of the, because I think many times students don't realize everything that a faculty, the typical faculty member is juggling. Yeah. And I think they just don't understand that, you know, and so that's sure. really helpful. Yeah. And, um, you know, strategies to uh, build rapport and connection, um, sharing, you know, being vulnerable themselves, recognizing that the faculty members are going to be vulnerable too. Um, so, so we do sort of some uh, orientation and onboarding training, but then also it's just as important that we meet up with them regularly to check in how it's going. There's, we have weekly meetings with all of our partners and they will raise issues like, wow, this came up and I wasn't quite sure how to handle it, or I'm not sure maybe I, I'm going to be meeting with my partner, my faculty partner next week, and I, I'd love some insight. So sometimes we, we discuss together. Uh, sort of as things emerge. So it's a little bit of front loading and it's a little bit of uh, sort of uh, uh, emergent on the job training, I guess you might say. Yeah. But with the inclusive classrooms, inclusive pedagogy, that I think does, will require more specific training. Because we, we frame it now as like our student partners provide a student's perspective on the issue. Mm -hmm. We reiterate that the students don't have expertise in pedagogy. They don't have expertise in assessment or, you know, but they do have a valuable perspective that they can share. So, but as we move into this area of inclusive pedagogy, that is definitely going to require some more training. So we're working with some other folks on campus to think about what does that look like? Because that is, it's an area we'd like to push into, but we recognize the, the challenging, vulnerable nature of that work. And right. we want to make sure that our students are, feel prepared to do that. And it's a good experience for them and their faculty partners. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, even just taking away anything that could be more uh, of a critical conversation or a challenging conversation, just just learning how to observe um, right. is most faculty don't have training in how to observe unless they're from education background. And so I'm wondering, um, do you find that or has it been going in the direction of developing the students skills almost as classroom based researchers or have there been ideas about um, kind of the impact on the students in terms of their you know, I'm sure there's such a variety of skills they're gaining from yeah. this experience. Um, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, I'll answer the first part and then the second part, if that's yeah. okay. So the first part is they definitely, so we have, we have some sort of observation grids that we work with them on, you know, to take notes. We, we really encourage both the faculty member and the student to identify a really narrow focus. And that focus can change from session to session. But we want them really honing, because I mean, you know how it is when you yes. go to a classroom, there's so much going on. It's, it can be super overwhelming. Right. But if what you're looking for is, you know, something like in a large class, to what degree do I engage students in all parts of the class? Or how do I respond when they ask a question? Like that's something that students can do because they can yeah. really hone in on that. And sometimes they'll take additional notes, but I think that providing constraints is actually really helpful. Absolutely. So, and again, you know, that focus can change from, from observation to observation. 
but that's something that we find is really helpful. And I, I don't know that we would, I don't know that they've, we've given them the proper training and support to, to kind of think of them as, as classroom researchers. Mm-hmm. Although that's a really interesting thought because to go to the second part of your question, yeah, we do, we feel like, you know, we noticed it, especially with our media students, they were developing skills on uh, podcasting in video uh, capture, editing, lighting, yeah. sound, all of these different things, storyboarding, all these things that go into a media project um, and providing feedback. Like those are things that will have great value beyond their time as an undergraduate at William & Mary. So we are partnering with the Cohen Career Center here to do um, a sort of a pilot research study this year that will focus on their um, self-efficacy in their role as a student partner, their um, uh, sort of how they, we ask them to develop their own professional goals at the beginning of the year, like what they want to gain from the experience as an individual. And then finally, there's a a nationally normed um, survey called a skill survey that's used by career centers to look at career readiness and across eight dimensions. Mm-hmm. And it's a really robust instrument and it's designed for the student to self-assess. And then they're um, usually it's, they're used in internships and then their internship supervisor to assess. Then they come together sort of for mentoring conversations based on the results. And the interesting thing is it compares where they self-rate and where their uh, mentor rates them across a nationally normed sample. So it's really interesting. They can see kind of where they are in these different dimensions compared to their peers. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're hopeful that that will be something. I mean, we're, we're interested to see what skills students develop, how their self-efficacy changes over time. And we'll do focus groups as well. Yeah. But we're also interested to see how that helps our students, more importantly, self-identify areas that they want to grow and then find opportunities within our program and maybe beyond, of course, that they can develop some of those skills to level up in a certain area that they see as important for their career trajectory or their their pathway to graduate school or whatever it is. So we're hoping that it'll be sort of a, it'll help us see what do, because there's actually a lot of research out there about pedagogical partnerships, Mm -hmm. but it tends to focus on what the professor gains from the experience, which is good or how it changes the course and so forth. But we were interested in contributing to a growing body around what the students gain and benefit from. Absolutely. And uh, what, I mean, I, you said that the students come from different, you know, disciplinary backgrounds mm-hmm. or um, majors. What, um, what would you say is something that attracts students? Which kind of students come? Are they students that are interested in teaching? Are they students that are interested, interested in educational technology, uh, um, or does it just completely vary? What would bring a student to want to do this? I mean, do question. they become a millionaire or what happens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a bit of a mix. Um, we did, so we did ask the students sort of their interests on a scale of one to five in each of those four areas um, that we discussed earlier mm-hmm. um, to kind of gauge, because we were hoping that we'd have students that would cross over because we had, we had several students in uh, the prior year that was really just focused on pandemic teaching. So yeah. it was a lot about asynchronous um, you know, Modes facilitation, and, yeah. and Zoom facilitation and so forth yeah. um, and, and media. So a lot of the students signed up because they were really interested in the media part or the technology part. Yes. This year, as the roles changed, what we found is that it was a variety of things. Like there were two in particular, two of our um, 14 that were really, really passionate about the accessibility piece. 
And then three or four more that were that rated at like a three or four. So they were definitely interested, yeah. but there were two that that was like a clearly that was their priority. And others, it was the media. Uh, so, you know, and others, I think one common thread is I think our students really like to feel like they're making a difference. And I think they really like whatever the form is, whether it's in media production or one-on-one consultation or whatever, they really like to provide feedback because they feel like that's something and they try to make it as actionable as they can so that it's something very practical that the faculty member can take away. And I think they get a lot of satisfaction from that. Um, so I, I guess it's it's kind of across the board, but that's something we'll we'll see, you know, as this year goes on. Are you um, inundated with students who want to do this, or is it like what what kind of a screening process do you would you recommend if another center was like, hey, I want to do this, I want to get students involved, I'll put this call out, maybe I can get. I'm assuming there's some kind of stipend or is there a credit or, okay. Yeah. Right now we're doing it as a stipend. Um, We're actually, we're having conversations with them in some cases they're saying, you know, that the stipend is great, but you know, really I'd love to get internship academic credit for it. So we're, we're kind of looking at those options, but yeah, what we, what we did like the first year during pandemic teaching, we just like, Hey, are you interested? Please come and join. You know, we had yeah. funding to do that. You know, yeah. Because we weren't traveling. We weren't doing our face-to-face events. Right. So we right. were just like, come one, come all. And we had about, I think we had 25 or more students. Hmm. Um, this year we, we did, we knew that the focus was going to change and we wanted to have a smaller group that we could work more closely with. Yeah. So, um, so we did do a call. We, we, partnered with a couple of student organizations to push it out. There's sort of a job board and so forth. So, so last spring we put it out, we, we, we did basically kind of an interest form and it wasn't an essay, uh, but we did ask them several questions about what drew them to the program, what they hope to get out of it, what their areas of interest were in those across those four domains. And then we also asked for a faculty recommendation. In a couple of cases, we, we have one freshman who's phenomenal. And of course, she didn't have a faculty recommendation, but that was yeah. okay. I think her stepping forward before she'd ever been on campus to, you know, to yeah. step forward with this, and she has delivered uh, <laughs> what we thought she would this year. So, yeah. shout out to Jada if you're listening. Yay. Uh, so, um, <laughs> hey, so Jada. yeah, so we so we we screened students in that way, we, and we were able to based on their interests. We sort of did a grid, you know, based on their interests, what they what they thought they could contribute, and the their responses that they offered and their. Um, faculty recommendations, we were able to kind of get to that number without doing um, individual screenings. But hopefully the interest will grow. We've already had several students during this year express interest for next year. So hopefully we'll be at a place where we can do either, we actually are thinking about rather than one-on-one interviews, we're actually thinking about doing group interviews with four or five students because we do almost everything in groups. So we not only want to see their individual interests and skills, but how they interact with their peers and with us. Yeah. Because that I think will be a really helpful. uh, Absolutely. When, um, so going um, with that uh, meeting in groups and you were saying you meet with them pretty frequently um, Mm -hmm. to check in. um, Are you as the, studio director the person who really facilitates the the student experiences through this is there how does who kind of shepherds the student group and creates that cohesion and trust um, uh, you know and working with the students great question it's sort of a shared responsibility so we we have two graduate students from our school of education that um helped a lot last year they actually really coordinated all the students 
and kind of did uh, assign them to different, you know, we call them gigs, you know, to assign them to different gigs and, and you know, and then they met up with them uh, regularly. And we really kind of gave them ownership to do that. And they did a phenomenal job. This year, they are both remote uh, students. So this year, we knew we wanted to build a face-to-face community with the partners. So I, my core responsibility is developing sort of the the culture of the cohort and of the program. So I do meet with, um, with the students weekly, but we also have several of our program managers. Uh, you know, one is a, a media production specialist. Another is a faculty engagement program manager. Another is, is a digital tools, digital learning program manager. They all thread in with, they do joint consultations. So they'll oftentimes ask a student to come to a consultation they're having with a faculty member, or if we're doing programming and we want student voice, we bring that in, or if they're working on a project. So it it really is a shared responsibility. It's, I've, I really wanted to, at least in this first year, to try to help establish that culture and the norms and sort of how we work. So I felt like it was important for me to do that, but I'm hoping that going forward, because I'm, I'm a step removed from many times from working directly with faculty, directly in programming. So I'm actually hoping at some point that that role shifts to one of our program managers, uh, because I think yeah. it's, it's, will be more appropriate, but I, I kind of, it's sort of my, my baby, my pet project, you know, that I really <laughs> kind of wanted to take forward, but it is, it's, it's time intensive, but it's like, it's one of those things that really gives me a lot of joy and I see the value that they add. It's just, it's tremendous. I mean, I think in a way, it's a good call for anyone who's in center, some any kind of center role or leadership to reconnect with the students. Yeah. Um, because yes, we do think about um, impact on student learning. And that's always this hard thing to trace out from mm-hmm. our faculty programming. Um, but we lose connection if we're not, um, I mean, like I, I teach, but I'm working with graduate students. So mm-hmm. to work with faculty who are working with undergrads, I get removed. Yeah. So that's a really good reminder. And I think things that bring you joy are the best things to be totally. keep doing. Um, and, and so the commitment for the student is one semester or uh, one year? At this point, we've worked on it for the academic year. Although in one case, we have one student graduating early. And we have another student that's going to study abroad in the spring. So their, their okay. commitment will just be a semester. But we, we like the year because we feel like it creates some continuity. Uh, yeah. But we'll see. And again, if we, if we shift either as an option or as the whole model to do more of an academic internship course, then, of course, that would be a semester-long commitment. So we'll see kind of how okay. that goes. So um, the million-dollar question is, does this impact the learning uh, experiences or outcomes of students in those courses. Um, we know it definitely really impacts these students who yeah. are the partners and the faculty, I'm sure learning a lot, gaining a lot. Get, tell us how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if I knew the answer to that. I know, right. I know. Yeah. No, I mean, what are some of your like, ways of starting to, to trace it? Yeah, no, I mean, so so there, it's different in different um, kinds of partnerships, I think. We did last year when we, or I'm sorry, two years ago when we piloted the classroom observations, we actually put that on hold last year because things were so, yeah. but we did do it the year before. And we did do a, um, we had, of course, feedback form from the faculty member and the student partner, but in a few of the classes, they also asked the students in the class sort of what, the, you know, the professor was very upfront about what this 
student partner's role was and what the focus was. And so we got some anecdotal data from students in the class, certainly not to the level of learning outcomes, mm -hmm. but what we're interested in. So, so to answer your question, we're not doing much of that yet. Yeah. We are, we're just in the process of, we have a position posted that is a learning assessment and applied research program manager. And what we're hoping that that person will bring uh, is both experience in different forms of assessment um, in higher education, of course, but also a focus on applied research. Mm -hmm. So things like um, to look at exploratory research that wouldn't necessarily perhaps make the grade for a, a peer-reviewed scholarly publication, but that can be incredibly transformative in terms of informing practice. So we're hoping to develop some measures, when, especially when we have, sometimes a student meets with a faculty member one time. And, you know, that's, that's not going to yeah. move the needle, most likely. Right, right. But for these more sustained kinds of experiences, or when they're doing, uh, working with media, those are things that do thread through a course and maybe would have more of an impact on student learning. So we're hoping to develop some models to do that, but we're not there yet. That's, it is a priority for us as we look ahead, as we move this program forward. But it's not something we have. I wish no, I could I mean, give you a good answer. But, yeah. I, I just always ask because yeah. I'd love to know. Um, it's a great question. The I mean, I, I I'm thinking just in terms of the the philosophy and the approach of having the student partners in the first place, that whatever um, research that you decide to carry out would also involve students, yep. and whether it's the student who was the partner as well as students in the class, um, and that you know there is um i think even if institutions have varied uh value on their centers or value on something like student partners which might be very innovative to some places although like you said some places have done it for a long time mm -hmm. um the idea of undergraduate research and and mentoring opportunities with faculty um, are always prized so I would think that could be a, an interesting direction to take the student partner as well as maybe some students who are interested from the, the class um, just to to kind of use them again to gain the insights from the student perspective, but also to develop the research um, project. I think you are right on target. Um... That's something, and again, I'm hoping, like, that's just something, I, frankly, I just haven't had the capacity to work with oh, the students yeah. on, but they keep asking, like, yeah. could we be involved in research? Because that's just, like, that's a big thing here at William & Mary. That's like a huge thrust. Um, and we would love to develop more um, uh, contributions to the scholarship of teaching and learning. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's uh, a literature great based. So, so we definitely see some opportunities for that. Uh, we just need to kind of well, you just started this whole center. I mean, it's amazing yeah. that you have this up and going um, to the extent you have. Um, I'm inspired. I was really excited to to learn about this today. And I am thinking, you know, in my institution, I'm not sure about funding. It's, it's really hard in CUNY mm -hmm. to obtain funding like that unless you have an external grant. Um, and but there is funding for undergraduate research and there's also that um we i'm in the school of education and we do offer um courses for undergraduates who are interested let's say in urban education as a course to kind of get them interested in education so it could be something where those of us who are in these other kinds of situations we could offer internship credit or an independent study or some other ways to just begin 
um, and not wait any longer because there are far too many center activities that are decentered from students. Right. Uh, and it's very powerful. So as we wrap up, any final thoughts on ideas, impact, or lessons learned? Um, anything else you want to share with us, Mark? Yeah, I, I guess two, two things. Like one of my sort of mindsets or philosophies of life is small steps. You know, it's like you can't, you can accomplish so much more when you just take action and just jump in and take small yeah. steps. So yeah. a couple of thoughts I have related to, to centers that might be interested, but don't have a program and maybe don't have the funding. So, so a couple of thoughts is um, one, we have for our libraries, for example, they have a, a student ambassador program that is just totally volunteer. They gather with them a few times a semester and it's basically to gather student insight on sort of what's offered in the library. Our, our Dean of Libraries, Carrie Cooper is amazing, um, super student focused. And the students recognize that their voice not only is heard, but then Carrie takes action on a lot of those recommendations that they make. So that would be a, a no cost way to develop almost like a student advisory council um, that would run alongside the center to provide. Now they could provide input sort of bigger picture level, not, you know, with individual faculty necessarily, but it might be some way to bring that student voice into, they could be, I think, then you could elicit um, participants maybe to be part of a panel, like if you're doing a, a workshop on engaging students or creating a welcoming, inclusive classroom environment, to have students from your advisory council be part of that. I, you know, my experience is students want to help and they want to be heard. So I think you can do it no cost at some level. And the other thing is, I think if even if you're a faculty member or one thing I think that centers could encourage is, uh, you know, develop a sort of some resources around what Allison and others have published about student partnerships and pedagogical partnerships to offer sort of a, an opportunity to introduce the concept to a group of faculty and encourage them to recruit a student in their department. Because oftentimes this doesn't necessarily have to be a huge time commitment. Um, so in other words, it could be done sort of uh, in a in a low stakes and um, you know kind of grassroots level as well. Because I don't ever teach a new class without gathering a group of my former students to give input on the syllabus. I just do that as a faculty member. That has nothing to do with my role in the studio here. I've always done that because I feel like especially with a new class, you never know kind of how it's going to be received and assignments. And, and then I do the same thing that semester after it's taught, I do a focus group with students after grades are in, I do a focus group with students that were in the class to get their feedback. Those are free. Well, they, they cost me money for pizza usually, <laughs> but, but you know, and that's a lot of times all it takes, because again, I think students want to be engaged. They want to be involved. They want to be, have an opportunity to share their voice. So I think probably, and these are just two ideas, but I think there's probably a lot of creative ways that folks could do it without a lot of funding, without a lot of structural support and still get at least some benefits from, from bringing students to the table. So, Mark, uh, this was really fun doing a podcast with you, and I think you have also some podcast uh, ideas that also relate to students, so we'd love to hear that. Yeah, so it's a brand new project. We're, I think, two or three episodes in at this point, but it's called the Steely Podcast, Teachers and Students Coming Together. 
and it's completely student run and student recorded, edited everything. They come up with the topics, they come up with the guests, they interview, and they bring, they focus on a topic like uh, the most recent one was about empathy and the importance of empathy in teaching and learning. And so they, you know, the students, and it's, it's fun. You can tell it's student design because it's a little, it's a little funny and, and quirky yeah. and, you know, and it's kind of all over the place sometimes, but the conversations are really great. So uh, I'll be happy to share a link with you. We would love to have some subscribers for uh, other teaching center folks, because we do see that actually as one of the audiences, one of the core audiences for the podcast, because uh, the students are just so excited to, to be able to talk with faculty and share their perspective and see how it connects with and diverges maybe from the faculty members. So it's, it's a lot of fun. That sounds great. So the topics are related to teaching and learning and they yes. interview faculty at William and Mary about yep. these topics. So are they only faculty that do research in these areas or could they oh, be? Good question. Yeah. In some cases they are, in many cases they're not. So, and the topics are very broad. There might be like innovation or, mm -hmm. you know, growth mindset. Uh, okay. Like I mentioned empathy. Vision was, was the first one. That was an interesting one. So it's like they are, uh, and they're typically faculty members from different disciplines. So they bring really different perspectives. And sometimes the research connects. Many times it's just their role as a teacher. Yeah. So it's, it's real. it's kind of a good mix. So I'm oh, super proud of it. It's, and it, it's just so cool to see what students when you give them agency and when you give them the the structure and the the platform what they can do and how they can contribute so i definitely invite you and, and your listeners to uh, oh to yes check it out. we we're gonna uh, definitely tune into that and that's a a beautiful way to uh to to continue this uh work with students and listening to students literally listening to them we'll be listening to them all over the country and the world now so thank I love you it. mark love it. thank you Laura. <laughs>